And so today we're heading into a topic that is one of the most common topics ever. You've heard that Jesus talked about this more than heaven or hell, and it's implicated as a major cause in most divorces. And we're going to talk about money. There can be a lot of differences within a married couple about how money should be managed, about how it should be used. And a lot of people will say money can really be an idol, but at the end of the day, I think that money can be more of an altar where what you're doing is you're sacrificing your desires and what you want on that altar. You may be one choice away from a thriving marriage. Welcome to the Operation Thriving Marriage Podcast with Brian and Jennifer Hartman. So we've got some exciting things coming up uh, for Operation Thriving Marriage. We're um, speaking at some conferences that are coming up soon, and it's an ex- it's an exciting kind of time for us. And we're also looking to add some speaking opportunities at different churches and through some different organizations. So feel free to go to our website, OperationThrivingMarriage.com, and use our Speak Pipe button there to jump on and let us know what we can do to come alongside uh, your church, your small group, uh, to be able to, to uh, jump in and, and help out with the ministry. You know, we've we've been very blessed by some groups that have reached out to us and said that they're doing a small group series on our book. So, so thank you uh, very much. And we want to see what we can do to help you folks uh, through that if you'd like some, some input from us. Yeah, also, um, so you've got SpeakPipe with the send voice message on the website there on all the pages, or you can just, um, if you prefer, hit the contact page, and you can fill out a form if you're specifically looking for someone to come in for a conference retreat or things like that. Even uh, one of the things that we're working on doing with a church locally is doing a conference for them, and then a couple weeks later doing a Facebook Live Q&A which is going to be fun and exciting. And if you'd like to do something like that through Facebook Live or Zoom for your small group or your marriage ministry or things like that, we're here to support you. Uh, We want to help you. So um, go check out again, operationthrivingmarriage.com and hit the contact tab and feel free to send us a message. And if you're enjoying our podcast, help us out, subscribe, rate us. That lets other people know that just hits those algorithms so more people can find us and we can share what we're doing here. And it's exciting to be a part of what you're doing in your ministry. Hopefully this is helping you in your family and your ministries at churches. And we look forward to continuing to be a part of that. Be blessed, friends. And we want to encourage you in your own marriage and also the marriages in your church. And so today we're heading into a topic that is one of the most common topics ever If you've been in church for a while, you've heard that Jesus talked about this more than heaven or hell, and it's implicated as a major cause in most divorces, at least here in the United States, and I can't imagine it's not true other places. And we're going to talk about money and how it it infects, it affects. Oh, maybe both. We'll we'll get into that in a sec. Um, Yeah, but money and its place and where it is in divorce. So Jen, we read articles, we read books and stuff, and one of it, in the top two or three, money is a major cause of divorce 
Can you share with us some of the things you've seen on the legal end where money has been a big issue and and people getting divorced and what you faced? Yeah, Brian, and it's, it's really timely too because we're just getting into April now, and this is typically you know your your time in the United States where taxes are are going to be due pretty soon. There's all kinds of things, of course, couples filing jointly, filing separately, all this other kind of stuff. But so before this, because we were doing money, George Harrison. Money, money was in my head. Now I've got the Beatles, the tax man. This is, I've got a great soundtrack going on in my head right now. I, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> and what, what's really funny is what I'm thinking of is the throwback song, early 90s, I Need Money by Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Thank you very much. This is Mark Wahlberg um, when he was just kind of getting into like the underwear commercials and he had and this. If you're rap under 35, you have no actor. idea. Well, we all, we all know who Mark Wahlberg <laughs> is, though. I, I actually got to meet him up at a um, music store again, early 90s. We weren't downloading music on the the internet um, at that point in time, but got to meet him up at a sound warehouse in Troy, Michigan. And that was just a, a very fun thing for my middle school self uh, to be doing. But money is just a, a, a big deal in our in our culture um, and uh, very much so in the West, in the United States. And it's really a resource. And it's just, there can be a lot of differences within a married couple about how money should be managed, about how it should be used. And a lot of people will say money can really be an idol, but at the end of the day, I think that money can be more of an altar where what you're doing is you're sacrificing your desires and what you want on that altar. Yeah, interesting. Because it's it's you. It, yeah. It's all about you and you yeah. idolizing yourself. Yeah, but let's go back to what you've seen, can you give us some like practical examples of what you've actually seen dealing with divorces? Yeah, how money you know, has there, affected there's, that? Yeah, there's a, a couple that I'm thinking about right now. I was not there, the attorney involved in it, but this, this woman was dealing with a, a horrible situation where her husband was addicted to spending. And that really broke up the marriage because he was incurring all of these debts and he was living this really exorbitant lifestyle that was outside of what he could do just between the cars that he drove experiences and entertainment that he was trying to buy for himself uh, and his uh, kids. And it was just not uh, able to support that. So she was in a position where he was doing all the spending and just ignoring what their their budgetary restrictions were. And it scared her because she was she was in the place where he's living this luxurious lifestyle and she's trying to scrape together these last few dollars to try to pay for groceries and and pay uh-huh. for clothing. And it, it was just a really exorbitant thing. So she ended up divorcing him. And it wasn't that she didn't love him or didn't care about him. It's just that he was driving them to bankruptcy and she just said no more and just couldn't do that anymore. Couldn't live that kind of a of a lifestyle because it was just too precarious for her. She was not appropriately resourced. And sometimes two people will have differences about how they want to spend funds or how they want to save funds. And um, I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit here with a ministry mistake that I made early on in our marriage. And it was, we, you and I were talking, we had been married for probably a year or two. We were talking to a, a married uh, group at a church. And the question that was asked was, well, my my wife 
just doesn't want to save for retirement. So how do I handle that? And why is, is that the case? And what flew out of my mouth that was not inspired by Jesus at all was, well, because she's not me. But I wasn't trying to say that in any kind of like an arrogant way. That's not where it was coming from. I was just trying to say there are differences in people, differences amongst the different genders as to what the different values are going to be. It's not something that that wasn't in, in, again in any way, you know, trying to say that I was better than this lady. I'm sure she had like a lot of characteristics that are way better than characteristics that I have. But but there was truth in the statement. I got the best wife. Sorry, guys, you don't get her. I got the best wife. Well, thanks. Hun. <laughs> it's, and again, amongst my many flaws, I'm glad you see the the positive things in it. But um, just different people can have very different values uh, about that, and some people are very much spenders. Um, some people are very much uh, savers. Um, Todd, who's producing our podcast, uh, he and his wife, Bev, we've been friends for a good 20 years now, really great folks. And what happened was we were in a Bible study at one point in time that was about money and resources and finances and things like that. And Bev and I kind of agreed, oh my goodness, if it was up to us, we'd be living much more frugally than we are and we'd have a lot more saved, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. But, you know, folks like you and Todd, you guys might be spending to excess, but we seem to, in both of these marriages, be able to balance each other out more where it's like, okay, Bev, Jen, you can, you can live a little, you can, you can enjoy these earnings and you can still save, you can still give, um, you can have more of a balanced perspective. And I would think that I'm balancing you out and Bev's balancing Todd out where it's like, okay, you know, we can't go crazy with the spending, right? And we can still enjoy funds, but we can also put money away from a rain, for a rainy day and also be able to give. And that's something that we talk about a lot on this podcast about, you know, the team marriage thing, like the last episode and resolving conflict and stuff. It's, we need to work on this together. And, and friends, if you're interested, uh, that po- that Bible study, I don't know if it's still available, but um, you can look it up. It was called Crown Financial Principles. The content's a little dated. Um, it's a little stilted, but the it's good stuff. It's probably one of the better things that I've read and seen about just looking at what the Bible does say about money. And it's a, it's a good small group. They have some, some really strict rules in their book about what they expect these um, – small groups to do and live up to as a group kind of constitution type thing that you can choose to or not to follow. But I encourage you, if money's an area you guys want to talk about in your church, that's a good one. Um, we in, we enjoyed that, and it was great to be a part of that small group that um, Todd and Bev were leading. Because money is it's just a big issue. Uh, as a first sergeant, when I was the first sergeant in the Air Force, every member that I counseled that was talking about their marriage, money was an issue. Money and disagreements about money, it was constant, whether it was at home dealing with, okay, how do we manage money here to when we were deployed, I would be talking to people and it's like, yeah, my my husband, my wife is doing this or that back home, and I'm glad that we're making some extra money here while we're deployed, but I don't know how we're going to manage it when I get back. It's a constant thing, and it was something that Jen's experienced a lot in her law practice as a lawyer dealing with divorce, but something that I was experiencing a lot as well, counseling couples. And then I remember 
my dad was a military contractor for a number of years in Afghanistan. And there was a guy quite a bit younger than my dad who was contracting and spent a lot of time. I mean, he basically, he never went home. He lived in Afghanistan at the time when we had a lot of military contractors there. And one of the things he said is, I can't afford to go home. My wife spends all this money. And this isn't a gender thing. Husbands, wives, I think husbands can spend money. Wives can spend money. Just in this case, it was the gentleman and his wife. He felt like the house that they lived in that he never got to live in. He lived in a 10 by 10 room in Afghanistan while his wife was in this really nice house in California. As a military contractor? Yeah, he was a military contractor over there. And so he was spending all this money and she was having this lavish lifestyle. And contractors can make pretty good money depending on what they do over there. And so he just told my dad, look, I can't afford to go home and live with my family because we don't, she makes, she spends the money as soon as I make it. And I can't make this much money in a stateside job. So it's, a consistent area where couples often struggle with with money and how to manage money and what they should be doing with their money. And so we want to talk a little bit about some common money issues and some thoughts about how you can work through that. At the end of the day, what we want to focus on, though, is we're going to talk a little bit about money, but money is rarely the issue. Mm-hmm. The issue is something deeper, just like um, if you've heard um, the podcast that we did on sex, sex is another commonly implicated issue in marriages leading to divorce, but sex isn't the issue. It's the other issues going on in marriage that lead to- That influence that. That influence that. Money is not usually the issue. It's how you're thinking about money, how you're thinking about each other that face that so- If you're struggling with money, if you're struggling with this in your marriage, we're going to talk about this and we encourage you to listen and hopefully this is helpful. But we also encourage you to listen to some of the other podcasts we've done. Pick up the Operation Thriving Marriage book because really what you... What we encourage you to focus on is what are you believing about marriage? Mm -hmm. Your expectations that we did a an episode on unexpectations. We did an episode on team marriage on the podcast. Those are core issues that are essential. Working through those is going, the natural byproduct is you're going to be able to have positive conversations, conflict resolution. You can have positive conversations around these money issues that are going to help you thrive in how you manage Mm -hmm. money as a couple. Because money, I don't want to say is never because never is never true, but it rarely is money the issue. It's in usually and another issue that you're yeah. dealing with. But with that in mind, we talked about unexpectations. One of the common money issues is different expectations about money. We get expectations about money from a lot of places. We get expectations about money from our family of origin. Yeah, the family we grew up in. Yeah, the the lifestyle that we had, how our parents spent money, the things that we did for vacation. Jen and I have talked about this a lot growing up, especially um, as an army brat growing up in Europe. On the military, you get X number of days of leave every year. You know, so you go on vacation. It's very normal to mm-hmm. go on vacation. Um, and so for me, I have in my head this pattern of going on vacation and not just a staycation where, hey, we're going to hit the local museums, but no, we go away somewhere. And that's an expectation I had about money that was an unshared expectation um, when we got married and thinking about. So a lot of things are just expectations about money. So you get expectations about your family, but where else, sweetheart, do you see people getting expectations about money? And what are some of the different expectations that you see? 
Right. Well, I think I think some of it comes from the media and it's just you're you're seeing the friend group and they're going out. And I, I think a lot of times um, when people are advertising products and people are, are writing scripts for TV shows and for uh, movies, they're just making things more glamorous and they're making it in such a way where people would have more money than kind of your average you know, person in that particular country or in that particular locale, because it's glamorous, it's fun to watch. They have more resources so they can do things to make it more interesting because it's um, unfamiliar. Isn't that almost always true that the media is giving a more interesting but not realistic view? I mean, especially when it comes to money, but it seems like we're constantly saying this because one of the things we love to do is after the kids go to bed, we spend an hour watching a show. We've we don't binge shows because we get too tired, but we'll watch a show. And then and we we'll, get dessert too. And we so get it's, dessert. It's, it's um, lovely. It was cheesecake yesterday. <laughs> um, so we watch these shows. So we, we are not anti watching that. But remember that the, these shows entertain you, but the network, the people making these shows are businesses. Their job is to make money. Product to placement. Se- to sell advertisement, product uh-huh. placement. What they're trying to do is to get you to spend money. And same thing on, on the internet, on social media. You oh know, you're, you're seeing a lot of things where, you know, it, it's kind of just an ad thing with things from your friends kind of thrown in between. And I think it's important to just really have that critical eye, not that you're looking to be mean or be a troll. Um, you keep keep the comments to yourself, right? It's like, don't be trolls for people. But the the idea of you're looking at it and you're being critical where it's like, hmm, you know, I, oh, I see what they're doing. They're trying to sell me something. And when I was in high school, I had this really great class called Values in the Media. And my cynical teenage self said, end of class, the media has no values. But I think we've really seen that amp up even more in 2022. I thought about a new thing that I want for my aquarium. And now I see a bunch of ads. I mean, Amazon and Google like are, I'm joking, there's no real satellites reading your mind. But it feels because like, you think but about they're something. Listening. They're, they're listening. listening to your phone. Um, so what, yeah. What do you want for the aquarium? Oh, I want a wave maker so that I will have less micro bubbles in the aquarium. A wave maker. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's it's a powerhead that'll. Anyway. Uh-huh. anyway, we get different expectations about how we spend money. Jen has no expectations of spending money on my aquarium. Well, she has expectations of spending a lot of money on my aquarium, but not what the money should be spent on because I spend money on my hobby because I love my fish. But yeah, so we get these different expectations from the media, from our families. Uh-huh. I think friends are another one. And it's yes, well-meaning but unintended because uh-huh. everyone looks good on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and whatever the latest thing the kids are playing with now. These social TikTok, media. Operation Thriving Marriage, we're, we're doing a dance video. No, we're not. No, no, no. No <laughs> one wants to see me dance. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, even our friends unintentionally give expectations about money because everyone looks good on social media and, oh, I want to do that. Or even, I remember a few years ago, there was a news story about young people like going to car lots and taking selfies in front of like Lamborghinis and Porsches and different things like that, or going to like casinos or different places. They weren't spending any money. 
but they were going to places and they were making it look like they were living these high roller lifestyles. Like, like I'm going to lean on this Rolls Royce like it's mine yeah. kind of thing. I mean, and a lot of a lot of the um, influencers on YouTube and TikTok yeah, and stuff like yeah. that do things like that. They're trying to upsell who they are to market themselves because it's they're fiction. trying to make money. It's fiction. And it creates these expectations about money and about our lives. We see people similarly situated to us and every year they're at Disney World or on a cruise right, or right. things like that. And we see, why isn't my life like that? Well, we don't see where they're scraping and scrimping in other areas. We don't see- Or going into debt. Yeah. So we don't yeah. see the ugliness. We just see the pretty pictures and it we, creates expectations. Right. Yeah. We don't see them arguing with their kids at Disney World or wherever it is. You know, they're, they're going to- they're going to post the pictures of people smiling. So. The next improvement at Disney World is the speeches for the dads for different ages of children about when you, at this point, your kid is going to have a breakdown about this. And here's the speech that is going to get you out of this, the happiest and the happiest place on earth. And, and it's coordinated because we saw that all the time throughout the parks where the dads were pulling the kids aside and kids are crying or hysterical or upset. Oh my goodness. You know, yeah. they, they have nursing rooms for nursing mothers. Uh -huh. They need to have lecture rooms for lecturing dads. Or lecturing moms, as the case <laughs> may be. But, but yeah, anyway, yeah. how do you deal with expectations about money? What are some of the things that to help to help us out? I think a lot of it is you need to be content in your lifestyle and content with who God created you to be. And I'm saying content in your lifestyle, but I would say really content in what where your means are really are. So if you're stretching yourself too much, you need to stop that. I remember um, we were talking about, again, expectations on family members and things. And I don't know if you remember this, but I had a, a family member um, say to me when we were buying our house, this is not a lawyer's house because, you know, we, we have a nice home. It's a ranch style home. We're up a cul de uh, I'm sorry, we're up a hill on a cul-de-sac and we have a finished basement that's a walkout you know, we, we like it. We've, we've enjoyed hosting parties and bigger events and things like they're, they're there in, in a lot of ways as, as an outreach. And that's why we, we bought this particular home. But I think some people might have more of an expectation of because of your occupation, you should have this kind of vehicle or this kind of a house. And I just remember just thinking to myself, well, listen, I'm looking at the deed to my house. I bought it. So guess what? It is a lawyer's house, regardless of what your expectations are or how large you think my home should be. Yeah, it's not flashy. But that goes back to what Paul said, right? I have learned to be content in all things, whether in plenty or in want. Mm -hmm. Really, that's a godly value. It's like, hey, if we want to be more holy, we need to learn to be content where God has placed us. Yes. And you had, you had, I know that you had worked with a, a gentleman who had been a successful businessman and became a pastor, and he purposefully chose to not live in as large of a home. And he was even getting some pressure on it from the people that he was worked with, working with, again, before he was a pastor, saying, hey, you got to have a big home because you want to show off to these younger associates what they can become and what they can have down the road. But he really had a heart for giving, and he wanted to be a, in a smaller home so that he could give more money uh, to his church and other charitable organizations in line with Christ's mission. Yeah. So I think um, that's a big thing is just expectations, being content, learning to be content like Paul. Another thing I think dealing with expectations um, is really communication. Mm -hmm. It's just like, okay, let me be honest with you. Here is my expectation. And that's one of the great things about being married 
if you come to this with the attitude of, hey, we're in this together, because we talked a little bit, I mean, you you came to that conclusion about the house, but we talked a little bit too about, hey, is this really the right house for us? Because those expectations, and we had mm-hmm. that conversation and you came to that conclusion. It's like, wait a minute, no, this is this is ridiculous. Is this a good home for our family ultimately? Yeah. What was great about that, I think, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but me being there, you had someone who was in it with you, who loves you, who cared about you, who we could talk about this together. And obviously the decision was, our decision to make anyway, not anyone else's. And we had to make it together. The beautiful thing about marriage is we get these expectations. I walk in with expectations. You walk in with expectations. Both of us have unreasonable, ungodly expectations about money, and we're trying to grow to be more holy. You don't have the same ungodly expectations as I do. I don't have the same ungodly expectations as you do. Mm -hmm. And we those expectations bump against each other and sometimes it creates conflict. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, hey, this is it's it's uncomfortable. Right. But we have that awkward conversation. We walk through it together and we come out making a more godly decision about our money. Not because one of us is a super Christian or one of us is super close to Jesus, but Jesus gave us each other to help grow to be the fully human people he designed us to be, and we work that through together. That's exactly it. And I think also that kind of comes along with that is that we've decided that we live in our culture. There are some really beautiful things and fun things about that and good things about that, but we've decided we're going to be defiant in our marriage, not against each other, but against some of these societal expectations. And it's like, what would God have us do? That's going to come before what the next door neighbors would have us do. We love Kate and Dennis, side note, but you know, it's, it's one of those things where we're looking at what God would have us do. We're in it for the, the long term for him. We're in it for the short term for him. And uh, it's not about what society expects. And we want to be defiant towards society and anything that would be going against what God would have for us and wants for us. And that's really what holiness is, being separate. It's not being separate, set apart. So we're going to live in Christian communes, though. I mean, people have done that and I'm not opposed to monasteries and things like that. But it's the idea of, yeah, we do look different. Mm-hmm. And it's not, we're trying to shove it in people's faces. We're not and, showboating. You know, the Amish have a great community, um, and I'm glad that they have that. But we're not going to be dour, but we are going to live differently. And even to the point of how we spend money and how we reach out to our neighbors, it, it's going to be different on purpose. Mm-hmm. Because we're trying to develop Christian character in ourselves and model that for our children and model that for our church community and model that for our local community. We want to show people Jesus. We're different on purpose and we're different for a purpose. Absolutely. We talk about expectations and looking at expectations differently. Another common money issue that I see is making money an idol. And what I mean by making money an idol is couple things. One is believing that money can do things only God can do. Mm -hmm. If I only had enough money, I would have this. If I only had more money or if this, that, if I had that promotion, then my life would be this or that. And one of the symptoms of this, and we're going to get to the opposite of this in a minute, but is really hoarding. I really Mm -hmm. see the people that they won't, they 
scrimp together. They're going to eat ramen noodles, even though they're making $150,000 a year because they need their success and their security and their protection is determined by what that number is in their bank account and their investment accounts. They're not going to spend anything they don't have to because they see having money as security, protection, they also purpose. It's like, my purpose is to build up this bank account. They make money, try to make money do what only God can do. And let's be honest, money does make those promises, but it can't deliver. You know, And so people get all this money and accumulate and accumulate, and it's because money has become so important and they've displaced where money should belong and they've made it an idol. They've made it their God. And I suppose the other extreme of that is what I've heard called as big hat, no cattle. So you've got somebody where they look like they're this wealthy rancher with the big hat, with the updated electronics, the newest car, very expensive clothing, but they've got nothing in the bank. Right. And that they're using, and they would argue oh, money is not an idol. Money is just a tool. They're using the tool improperly. Yeah, it's so. like, no, dude, you're a tool. Um, oh, I guess I shouldn't <laughs> that's, be saying that's that mean. on a podcast. That's a, <laughs> okay. I just but, became a troll. Sorry about that, guys. So, and that's the opposite, is this uh, allowing spending to get out of control. And I really think that both are self-focused in different ways. Mm-hmm. One is trying to make money your security. The other is trying to put forth an image and money is providing that way of make. This is the image I want to present of myself. Again, mm-hmm. the big hat, no cattle. I want to look at this. Back in the early 2000s, we used the term house poor. People would have those huge houses um, when the real estate bubble collapsed and all that stuff. People would have huge houses and have lawn chairs for furniture. But right, the folding what, chairs in in the dining room, and yeah, it was it was the, the big big McMansion, if you will. And it looked good from the outside. It was beautifully landscaped. Uh-huh. Um, the everything was perfect from the outside. But they never invited anyone in their home. Hospitality didn't exist because they didn't want people to see that they had nothing in the house. Yeah, the card tables and probably an expensive vehicle, newer vehicle as well. Yes, because that's you see them driving in and out. So you need mm-hmm. to see that. Um, and so that's really where a lot of consumer debt came from. So these are opposite sides of the same coin, making it an idol or using it to develop your image. And probably in debt, could could be in, in, in debt, certainly in that second uh, right. account. And usually they are, right? Usually. Mm-hmm. So I think really... When it comes to making money an idol, I really want to encourage you, if this is a if this is a temptation for you, Jen did a great job, um, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, when we were doing premarital counseling, there was a couple that was arguing about money during the premarital counseling, and Jen asked the, the bride, um, this couple, what does money mean to you? If you see or your spouse is telling you that you're hoarding money, I mean, I'm thinking back to now, again, all my Gen X friends, all you that are Gen X like me from the U.S. The forgotten generation. It was even missing on a newscast infographic. But anyway, there was a cartoon back in the 90s, DuckTales, and Scrooge McDuck had his money vault, and he would go in his old man's one-piece swimsuit and go swimming in his money. And his goal was to have money and 
fill up his money vault and go swimming. And he, he money was Scrooge's idol. If that's your temptation, one of the things I encourage you to first do is if you're noticing that, hey, my bank account is becoming too important to me, having money is more important than having a life, or your spouse is starting to bring up some concerns to you about that, the first thing to do is really, what does this money mean to me? And so when you look at your bank account, your investment statements, why is it important? And are you expecting your bank account to give you purpose, security, peace of mind? Image. Image. But I want to get to image later because that's I think that's a little different. The idea of just gripping and hanging on to the money, having yeah. a death grip on your money. Yeah. If th- Then I encourage you to, why is that? And are you expecting money to do what only God can do? And the answer to that really starts with taking every thought captive. You've got to change what you believe about money and frankly, change what you believe about God. Because if you think that money can protect you better than God can, if you think that money can provide you purpose better than God can, then you've really got to look at why is that and go through scripture and maybe sit down with a financial planner or a counselor and walk through, hey, what's going on? Talk to your pastor. Talk to you. Absolutely. Talk to your small group. And I, I want to say, too, that anybody who's struggling with this, this this is nothing that's unique to you. We're not wagging our fingers at you saying you're a bad person. You're not. You're creating God's image. You're God's beloved child. Um, we all stand shoulder to shoulder at the cross. But it's very important for you to address these things so that you can have that thriving marriage that God has intended for you. You need to take hold of that. He's provided the framework for it. You need to cooperate with him by take, taking a hold of that and, and living within his plan. Yeah, don't don't make your priorities money, then God, then marriage. It's God, then your marriage. And that making money an idol is going to ultimately push you apart. So I encourage you, those are some ways, if you find that that is your temptation, then those are the things that I encourage you to look at. It's like, where is God in my life right now? What am I thinking? Spend time looking, read through the gospels and focus on the parables where Jesus talked about money and take some time to really think about that and start focusing your thoughts on where God is and put money in its correct place. Work on that. And then the other thing, of course, is image and the big hat, no cattle. Right. I know you wanted to get to that place where you, we were kind of addressing where spending can get out of control and why that can be. And just to be transparent with you guys, if it weren't for Jen, this would be my temptation. This is the place because I would argue, oh, it's just, I'm just using the tool, but I'm be, I would be irresponsible and I would not save like I ought, and I would not plan for the future like I ought because I'm not thinking forward enough, not so much because I'm trying to impress people, but just I'm not putting money in its proper place, and I'm basically being selfish and hedonistic and wanting what I want when I want it and not um, developing godly character. That would be my temptation, and Jen really helps with this. But what are some ideas that you have for um, people out there that may find themselves 
like me, they're they're a little hedonistic. They're just, hey, I want what I want now. I have no desire to wait for this. I want new experiences and I'm willing to go into debt. Or they're the people that the big hat, no cattle, they they have this image that they want to present and they're willing to spend other people's money to get that image. What are some ideas that you have for how they can walk through that? Some of it, I think, is just about being disingenuous about who you are and who God created you to be. Because I I feel like if we're trying to be anything or put on these different kinds of airs and act like we have more than we do, it's just going to drive us into debt. And dealing with that debt and the stress and the pressure of that it's going to take our eyes off God. So we're being distracted from God because we're doing all of these things and spending all of these funds that we don't really have. Sometimes people fall into that just because they're not paying attention. They're looking at the shiny new thing as opposed to thinking beyond the day. So I think that there always has to be that kind of balance of things where you're able to live within your your means. A lot of times I talk to people about let's live underneath our means so that we're able to do more of the giving and having funds um, available to, to do some other things. Um, something that Brian and I uh, have liked to do before the pandemic hit was we would have an end of school party for our child's entire grade. So we were inviting essentially, you know, 50, 60 kids and their families over to our house and we were an epic epic water balloon fight it was awesome <laughs> that's right well i um when i was in uh college and law school I, I worked for a kids entertainment agency so i still get the employee discount of the big you know inflatable moonwalk with the giant slide and you know we've done snow cone machine and a popcorn machine and again the epic water balloon fight and it was just a really cool kind of thing but we kind of plan and budget for that so that we can kind of give that as a gift and it doesn't of course have to be something that's so elaborate to a community like that. But, you know, if you have some funds that would be available where if somebody's, you know, having a hard time and you're able to make a meal or give a gift card for a meal for somebody, take somebody out to dinner, be able to invest in them in that kind of a way, um, meet some needs of maybe some single parents who are in your church and assist, you know, that that's just an amazing thing to be able to do. But of course, you need resources to be able to to do that and come up with that. And I know that the folks who are listening to this, you know, you folks who are out there, some people are, are going to be older than us who have more means. There might be some people who are are newer in their 20s, newer in their marriages, and they don't have as, as much money. They're not making as much money. They haven't accumulated that. That's a normal kind of thing. We're talking to a lot of different folks, but what, what I just really want to put out there is look at the funds that you have and, and live a godly lifestyle within that. Yeah. I encourage you to think too, throughout the history of God's people, looking at um, the the early Hebrew people and then Christianity, two of the things that really stick out and have always been characteristics of God's family and stood out amongst the communities around them were one, their sexual ethic. Marital monogamy was weird and odd to, to the ancient peoples around them. And two was their care for the poor. And so if you're spending a lot of money on experiences and image and you're not able to take care of the needs of the people around you, you're missing an opportunity to represent Jesus. And so I encourage you, I mean, 
part of being holy, part of being separate, part, part of being different is how we care for people that cannot care for themselves. And I really think that that's a place where we can step in. So that's something I encourage you to think about. Are you able to live a godly life in the sense of caring for those that can't care for themselves? But the other piece of that is, why is this image important to you? Why is, so these guys that were taking the pictures, leaning on the Rolls Royce and the Bugatti and all these things, getting pictures in the foyer of the fancy hotels and all this stuff. What, what is that image? I mean, again, a lot of these were influencers. Hey, the richer I look, the more people watch my videos, the more money I make. But why is that image important to you? And what value are you getting? And remember, that image is not you. God loves you. Jesus died for you. That image isn't relevant. You're, you're you, created in the image of God, and, and that's enough. You're yeah. enough. Who you are is not that image. And your spouse doesn't love you because of that image. Your spouse loves you because you are a co-heir with Christ and the person that God has bound them together with. So sometimes it's just a matter of rethinking, because we all have this image of how we want to look. And if that image is keeping you away from God or causing strife in your marriage, causing conflict, then it's time to rethink that and look at what you need to do to see yourself the way Jesus sees you. And I know that there have been there's a lot of discomfort around the issues of money, the issue of sex as well, but it needs to be talked about maybe because it is uncomfortable in our culture and it's important for you to get on the same page as God about these things because you're going to be doing things right if you're doing things God's way. And you also need to be able to talk to your kids about how to do things the right way, being God's way when it comes to money, when it comes to sex, because you're going to be getting so they're going to be getting so much feedback and you're going to be getting so much feedback from the world. We got to make sure we're doing it right. Absolutely. And that's the other thing I want to talk about is discomfort talking about money. A lot of times money causes rifts in marriages because you just don't know how to talk about it. You just don't know what to say. You're afraid that if you bring up your concerns, well, we're just going to fight about it again. You know what? Lovingly have the fight. That one awkward conversation. Walk in presuming goodwill. Walk into this saying, hey, we want to do this together. We want to have a thriving marriage, but have the fight and fight it out in a loving way. Be responsible with your emotions. Be responsible how you're communicating. But have that uncomfortable conversation. Because if you don't, then you're going to be having that uncomfortable conversation possibly in front of a judge with lawyers speaking for you. And you don't want that. That's not a thriving marriage. A thriving marriage is uncomfortable at times. It takes strength. It takes courage. And we believe you have that strength. We believe you have that courage and have that uncomfortable conversation. And if you, you'd feel like you don't have that strength or get, have that courage, pray to God. He will equip you with that. He, he created us and has equipped us to not have that spirit of timidity. We, we have that strength in him. We have that courage in him. So live into that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for listening to the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast. Hope that this is helpful to you. We want you to know that your marriage can thrive. We accept that money can be a tricky thing. Have that conversation. Spend some time enjoying each other and enjoying your time together. God bless you guys. 
Thank you for joining us on the Operation Thriving Marriage podcast. We want to be a part of God's plan for marriages to thrive around the world, and you can help us do that by subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast on whatever service you use. As an added bonus, if you subscribe or review, you'll be entered into a drawing for a free copy of our book, Operation Thriving Marriage. You'll get an additional entry into the drawing if you share your thoughts on social media about the podcast with the hashtag Operation Thriving Marriage. Hey friends, we appreciate you joining us and we're so excited about this new feature on our website, which is called SpeakPipe. You can go to our website, operationthrivingmarriage.com, hit the send voicemail button and you can give us feedback feedback on our episodes. You can ask us questions. And with your permission, we'd be happy to feature your recording on a future podcast episode. Thanks for joining us, friends, and we can't wait to hear from you.